0: You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to The Joe Martino Show. My name is Joe and I am your host. Today I want to talk to you about one really simple question. But like many simple questions, it's actually very complex. What drives your bus? What drives the bus in your life? What drives the bus in your relationships? What drives the bus in how you make decisions? Picture, if you will, four friends who are all deciding to go out to eat. They all meet at my office because they're all my friends. I don't know. And uh, they all meet at one local place. They decide where we're going to go. We all want to ride together. The first person wants to go to Longhorn. The second person wants to go to Qdoba. The third person wants to go to a great local place, and the fourth person wants to go to Olive Garden. Okay, so we've got four friends, four different locations. Whose decision is the only one that actually matters? It's whoever's ever driving, right? The person that is sitting behind the steering wheel ultimately decides where they're going. Now, they can concede that decision. They can say, well, we'll go where Frank wants to go, or they can vote, or they can flip quarters, Or they can play Rock, Scissors, Paper. Which, by the way, do you play Rock, Scissors, Paper's Dynamite? Uh, And if you do, help me understand that. Because Dynamite seems like it's cheating. And it's not in the title. Anyhow, the only decision that matters is the person behind the wheel. Because ultimately, they're the one who has to make the decision on where the car goes. This seems like such a silly illustration. But it's so apropos for our lives. Because a lot of times, we give ourselves credit for trying... But we don't think about what's, what actually has control of the steering wheel of our life. Is it fear? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it love? Is it trust? Is it respect? What is it that's driving you? What's your motivator? What is it that's driving the thing underneath the thing that's underneath the thing that's underneath the thing in your life? In my book, The Emotionally Secure Couple, I talk about six basic drivers the truth is there's probably a lot more but in relationships there's tend to be six basics we'll deal with the negative first they are guilt shame and fear how do these play out in life well you know one of the most interesting things about this first of all is a little bit of shame a little bit of guilt and a little bit of fear isn't bad right now, I know if you are a Brene Brown fan, what I just said to you is heresy. Brene is well known for for basically saying that all shame is bad. I simply don't agree with her. I think that there are some things that do deserve a little bit of shame. If I cheat on my wife, I should feel some guilt and shame about that. Uh, to some extent, maybe we're playing semantics, and I'm okay with that. Certainly good people can disagree, and there can be tension Certainly, we would all agree that there is such a a thing as healthy guilt and healthy fear. Healthy fear helps us stay alive. Healthy guilt is born from a place of empathy. It can help us to do the right thing. It can help us to consider someone else's pain that maybe we've caused. So when they're in the right doses, these things can be healthy. But what happens when they drive the bus? Well, let's start with fear first. Maybe you're afraid that something bad is going to happen to you, right? People become paralyzed in fear. If I become vulnerable to someone, then they're going to hurt me. Well, if I want intimacy, remember we talked about want, what, are you willing, what do you want, what are you willing to pay, what are you willing to risk? Well, if, if I want intimacy, I have to invite pain by being vulnerable. But if fear runs my bus, if fear drives my bus, if it's the steering wheel decision maker, I'm going to avoid real intimacy because real intimacy comes at the price of pain. Think about how this might work out in a relationship if one person cheats on the other It can go two ways, right? The the person that is cheated on, every time they get close, they might blow up, they might scream, they might yell, they might push the person away because I don't want to be vulnerable to you. I don't want to be hurt. Or it could go the other way, where they try to to manage the other person's emotions, They, they let the other person treat them like the proverbial doormat, they run over them, they don't draw boundaries, they don't have healthy boundaries, They don't move into the relationship in a healthy way because they're afraid that if they do, the other person will run and cheat again. See, fear running the bus can be destructive in multiple ways. If fear's driving your bus, maybe you're stuck in a job that you hate. Maybe right now, as you listen to this podcast, you're driving to a job that you hate and you haven't done anything about getting out of that job because you're afraid. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship that you hate. One of the things that always amazes me is how hard unmarried people fight for unhealthy relationships. Maybe right now you're a young lady, young young woman. Uh, maybe you're not young. I don't know. And you're dating a guy that is a jerk. Or maybe even worse, you have a guy that's a booty call guy. Or maybe you're a dude and you've got a girl That calls you and you're her booty call why because you have more fear in your life than you do self-respect I know that kind of sounds harsh and I'm sorry but it's true if you are in a relationship where you're the booty call you have more fear in your life than you do respect self-respect because if you had self-respect you would kick fear to the curb and it would be better to be alone than to be with the wrong person but when fear drives the bus We often say it's better to be with the wrong person than to be alone. Maybe there's something you're not doing because of fear, right? I can't tell you how many people sit in my room and they want desperately to do something else with their life. They want to go start a business. They want to go apply for a position. They want to write a book. They want to compose a musical piece. They want to paint a painting and they don't do it because they're afraid, because fear drives their bus. Maybe guilt drives your bus. And the interesting thing about this is guilt and shame, when they run together, they often create fear, right? So maybe somebody does something in a relationship that is legitimately wrong and they should feel some healthy guilt, that guilt we talked about earlier. But instead of feeling healthy guilt, they feel an unhealthy amount of guilt. And so they let guilt run their entire life. They stop drawing boundaries. They, they, they stop engaging in an adult to adult level with their partner. They stop interacting in a way that is healthy and they start interacting in a way that is fear and guilt based. What might this look like? Well, let's say I knew a couple one time, not a client, so no HIPAA attached, but they early in the relationship, the husband had cheated on the wife. Now, when I say early in the relationship, I actually mean when they were dating, they were in high school, he he went out on a date with another girl and cheated on his girlfriend who was going to become his wife. Now, guilt ran in this relationship a couple different ways. First of all, the wife engaged in what was commonly known as guilt tripping. Anytime he would disagree with her, as the conversation would escalate, now, not any eh disagreement, but as the conversation would escalate, she would end up saying to him, after all I've done for you, I took you back after you went out and slept with that tramp. Now, mind you, when I met them, they had been married almost 15 years. They had children And this, you know, indiscretion happened when he was in high school, some 17 years before, but guilt had run through 17 years of their relationship. Okay, so here's where this gets insidious, because she would guilt trip him when he would do something that would warrant legitimate guilt. Fear would run with that guilt, and often he would hide it from her, which is not excusable but he would hide it from her because now he's letting fear drive his bus because if she finds out about this thing that he legitimately feels guilt about, he's going. she's going to guilt trip him, and then there's going to be shame. Now, here's the thing. After a fight, they would both feel shame. She would feel shame because she had escalated to the point where she attacked him. He would feel shame because he hid something from her because she always found out, right? And as this runs, this guilt, shame, and fear running together, it's literally destroying their relationship. And I know there are people like, oh, you just use the word literally because it's not metaphorical. Their relationship is being destroyed because guilt, shame, and fear are being poured over it every day. And they're destroying it. Another way that guilt, shame, and fear run, you know, maybe you're not guilt tripping. Maybe you just feel guilty. Maybe you did something bad and you're trying to hide it. Maybe your kids didn't turn out the way you wish they would have. And as you look back over the years, you're like, man, I could have done that differently. I could have done this differently. I could have gone there. I could have done that. We should have let him stay in this sport. We should have pulled him from this sport. I should have talked to that coach. I shouldn't have talked to that coach. I should have never let him, let him date that guy. I should have never let him date that girl. Blah, 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 blah. You could always look back with regret. In fact, let me just say this. This is one of my favorite sayings because I believe it's true and I think everybody needs to hear it. There is no greater invitation to regret than parenting. No matter how you do it, you will almost always be able to look back and say, I probably could have done it better. In fact, to be honest with you, I get a little worried when I meet people who are like, nope, not me. Everything I did, I couldn't have done any of it better. That's probably a narcissist. But now as they're in their late teens, early 20s, because you have this guilt and shame and fear and regret about how they didn't turn out the way you'd hope. They're making choices you wish they wouldn't. Now you start to make more bad choices because you're letting guilt, shame, and fear run the ship. Ultimately, when guilt, shame, and fear run the ship or run the bus, I'm mixing my metaphors here, people. It's because we really want control. We're fighting for control. If we can somehow control it, it will be better. And control becomes the overall bus driver. But when guilt, shame, and fear run the relationship, we're in trouble. When they run our life, we're in trouble. But the really good news is we don't have to have those three drivers as our drivers. We can actually have love, trust, and respect driving our relationship. I would say everyone you know who has a healthy relationship has love, trust, and respect as their primary driver. It's those three things that are feeding the health of their relationship. Now, where this gets interesting is love actually starts with risk. Love actually starts with risk because to love someone is to invite pain. My friend Jason Holdridge said that one time and I've never forgotten it. I actually think what he actually said was to love anything is to invite pain. I wept like a baby. Just about six months ago, when our dog died, we had to put her down after 19 years. I remember going to the vet and just thinking, there's got to be a different way. It was so painful. I had a cat that ran away. To this day, when I hear someone say a famous board game that this cat was also named like Checkers, there's a little tinge of pain inside of me. A friend of ours passed away April 2nd of this year. I have her picture on my iWatch as one of the faces that pops up. Every time I see it, it's mixed with sadness and happiness. But a lot of sadness, there's pain. Love is inherently risky. It is inherently dangerous. It invites pain. Too many of us have experienced the pain of rejection. We have experienced the sting of abandonment. We have found places where we thought we were safe and accepted and we weren't. And so when we get to become adults, when we get to become older teenagers and we start to to move into a relationship, we often have these self-protective vows of, I will not be vulnerable again. And yet love is one of the pillars that is necessary for a healthy relationship. It's necessary for a healthy life. I would argue that if you don't have love, you probably can't be healthy, even if you're single. How do you go through your normal day and make good decisions without love for your fellow humans at some level? And so we have to have this. We've got this paradox because it involves risk. So what is love? Love is wanting what's best for you. And this really flies in the face of our modern culture because who gets to decide that? Don't I get to decide? Well, what if I'm an alcoholic and I look at you and say alcohol's best for me? What if I'm a drug addict and I tell you drugs are best for me? Love is calling people to a better version of themselves without judging where they're at. Having grace and mercy for them. Seeing what could be, not just what is. So often we misdefine love as this thing that how I feel. Well, I'm a better version of me because of you. Now, here's the real paradox in this. That's true. I am a better version of myself because of my wife. Who is, by the way, the best person I've ever met. Who is also not the best version of herself yet that she could be. Because she's always growing and changing. And so there is these paradoxes that run inside of these three things, these three pillars, love, trust, and respect. That, are, that we have to live in the tension of. And might I suggest to you that as a society, we're not very good at living in tension. We're not very good at not wanting to go to extremes. And yet there is an inherent tension. There is an inherent push-pull in love because that leads to trust. Well, what is trust? Trust is not just this blind, I believe everything you tell me. But trust is when I have to choose between interpreting what you're saying to me between giving it a possible positive spin or a possible negative spin. I'm going to go with the positive spin at least until I have evidence to push me another direction. Trust is assuming that the other person is doing the best that they can. And when they're not doing the best that they can, that you can talk to them about it and they'll hear you. It's it's listening to the other person when they come to you to call you out and say, hey, I don't feel like you're doing your best so that you can take a moment And listen, and you're assuming that they're telling you this because they want you to be the best version of yourself. When my wife comes and she shares criticism with me, it is not my natural instinct to be like, oh yeah, tell me more about that. But if I trust her, I need to move my natural instinct to the place where I am listening for what she's saying because I trust that the reason she's talking to me is so that she wants me to be the best that I can be for me, right? There has to be a base trust for people around you. So many times i talk to people and they complain about their boss, their school teacher, their children's school teacher. And I often ask them, okay, so that I do believe that they're evil. There is evil in the world. There are people who make evil choices. Do you believe that this person is doing that? Well, no. Well, then do you believe that they want what's best for your child? Whether it is your, your, your partner, who's also their parent, the teacher, the coach, whoever it is. Well, yes. Okay. Well, then what does trust look like there? Certainly, I'm not saying that trust is you just let people do whatever they want because, oh, well, they want what's best, right? Like this weekend, my daughter had a soccer game and the referee uh, was really interjected into the game more than he should be. And I'm not the parent that sits there and criticizes the referee. I was a referee for a long time. I was an umpire for a long time. I love doing both of those. But this official was actually involved in the game more than some of the kids. And, And so when I get a chance, I'm going to bring that up with the directors of the league where my daughter plays. Not to hurt this person, I don't even know his name to be honest with you, but I'm just going to bring it up and say, hey look, here are some observations. Now, I have to trust that whatever they're going to do with it, they do with it. I worked at a place one time where the school had a dumb rule. It had a rule, this was back before tattoos were quite as ubiquitous as they are today. It had a rule that if a student had a tattoo, they could not play in sports. So one fall, I show up at school. One of the teachers says to me, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I'm like, no. He's got a tattoo of a fire of a fiery basketball going through a flaming hoop or something. I don't know what it was. Now, here's the thing about so-and-so. He was, at least in theory, the most talented player on the team. Uh, he was going to go to the show if you talk to him, never mind the fact that his hands were too small. He couldn't really jump play defense. But some magazine had ranked him number 498. So that put him in the top 500 of all the best players in that particular state. So, you know, people are asking me, well, is he going to be allowed to play? Is he not going to be allowed to play when we read the handbook? Blah, 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 blah. So I go to the principal, we get called into a meeting. I don't really remember quite all the details of how we got to this meeting, but in the meeting, it's myself, the principal, the assistant principal, uh, and the headmaster, who's also the boys basketball coach. I should tell you that I was the athletic director. And the headmaster says, well, he can play. And I said, no, he can't. It says in the rule book, you can't have a tattoo and play. And the principal says to me, no, it doesn't say that. And he missed. He rewrote re- re- the rule by verbally reading it in a way that it wasn't written. And I'll be honest with you. I was, I was floored because we had sold our integrity for 20 points a night. And that's what I told him. I actually said that in the room. I'm like, okay, well, I'm bothered because we're selling our integrity for 20 points a night. And the headmaster said to me, well, I'm the headmaster and I'm telling you that he can play and that isn't what we're doing. And I said, yeah, but you're compromised because you're the boys' basketball coach and you want to win. And he gave me some very not-so-subtle threat about my job security. Now, I-, I walked away from that meeting and the assistant principal found me later and he asked me, he said, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm totally fine because it's not my decision to make. I have to trust my authorities and someday you know, the universe will make that right. I believe God will make that right. Incidentally, that team, which was, which was on paper the best team in the league, did not win the championship that year. Uh, but that's trust, right? You do what you have to do, and then you trust that your authority does what they need to do. In your relationship, I can't force my wife to change, but I can trust that she'll do what's necessary to change, that she'll hear me, that she'll listen to me. That's part of that adult to adult interaction that we talk about a lot, and that's going to be another episode. But trust is going to the person and saying, hey, I want to hear what you have to say. I love you. I know you love me. Let me hear what you have to say. It's, it's recognizing that good people can disagree, even in how you raise your children. My wife and I don't always agree on how we raise our children, but we both trust that the other person wants to raise healthy, well-adjusted adults. And we both trust that the other person has our family's best interests at in mind. So sometimes she'll do something, and I'll be in my head thinking, I don't know that I would do it that way, but I stay out of it. There are times that I do something, and I know in her head she's thinking, I don't know that I agree with that, but she stays out of it. Because that's trust. Then we have respect. In our society, respect has gotten so mystifying. It's like we actually tell people, if you disagree with me, you're disrespecting me. You're a hater. I believe that this is a really dangerous definition of respect. Now, I think that respect will look different in every couple, right? And it's going to look a little bit different for every individual. But at its core, respect is recognizing the other person's right to make any decision that they wish to make and your ability to choose how to respond. I can't control you. You can't control me. That's the base of respect. Now it grows from there, right? There are people that I respect as clinicians because I think they have wisdom because I've gone to them for advice and it has been sage and helpful. There are people whose relationships I respect because they've put in the time. There are people who have endured Bad relationships. I know a guy right now that is stuck in a bad relationship, and I'll be honest with you, I respect him. Now, he made a lot of dumb decisions that got him into that relationship, but he married her now, they have kids together, and he's enduring her refusal to change. I have respect for that. Respect is about holding the truth that all humans have worth. I do not agree with certain politics, but there are people who do who I respect. I don't agree with certain behaviors, but there are people who do those behaviors that I still have respect for them. Now, I don't agree with what they're doing maybe, but I have respect in this area. What does it look like to respect your spouse? It looks like saying, I love you and I know that you have the right to make decisions that are your own. Autonomy of thought. You can have your own beliefs. You can believe your own things. You can be a Republican and I can be a Democrat. You can be a Democrat and I can be a Republican. And we can actually have a healthy relationship. We can have good friendships that are people who have different beliefs. I have friends who are far more conservative than me. And and we're friends. And I have friends who are far more liberal than me. And we're friends because we have respect. Right? Now, respect comes from love and trust. I, I, I don't know that you can get really to respect without some level of trust and some level of respect. And certainly there are different levels of love, right? I have a friend named John who I love, but I don't love him the way I love my wife, Erica. I have respect for both of them. I have trust for both of them. But those are different levels, but they all come together. When love, trust, and respect are driving your relationship, you start to see the fruit of healthy emotional security grow. So here's some questions to consider in what's driving the bus of your relationship. I think if you ask these four questions, you'll start a conversation that will help you to ponder what's going on in your relationship. If you're single and you don't have a partner to ask these questions to, you can ask these questions of yourself and and they'll start a conversation in your head hopefully I'm not the only one that has conversations in my head, about what's driving the bus of your relationship. Let's just go over them. If you have my book, they're on page 112. If you don't have my book, I'd encourage you to buy it. The Emotionally Secure Couple is available at all of our office locations. If you live in West Michigan, you could get a signed copy that way. Uh, You can also buy it on Amazon and it it will be shipped to your house Uh, or you could get the Kindle version as well on Amazon. Okay, so four questions what am I most afraid of in my relationship? Question one, what am I most afraid of in my relationship? Now, you could do 1A, what am I most afraid of, period. But here's the thing, we all have fears and whatever it is you're most afraid of, you are most at risk for letting that fear drive your bus. What is my spouse most afraid of in our relationship? Again, my significant other, my partner, you could do 2A, what are they most afraid of, period, for the same reasons that I talked about in question number one. Question number three, what do I want most out of my relationships with my spouse? What do I want most out of my relationships, period? And then what is the thing that you're most afraid of? How is that keeping you potentially from getting the thing that you want most? And then here's question number four. What does my spouse want the most out of our relationship? If you are married, if you are in a significant relationship, I encourage you to both answer those questions Write them down and then compare answers and see where the conversation goes. If you're single, just ask yourself these two questions. What do I want the most out of life? And what am I most afraid of? And then find the places where those two answers intersect and the thing you're most afraid of is keeping you from the thing you want most. Sometimes the thing we want most is destructive. We want revenge. We want the person to hurt us to hurt. But whatever it is that we want, it'll come out if we answer these questions. And so I asked you today, what's driving your bus? If you were to go through just these basic six, guilt, shame, fear, love, trust, respect, which of the three is primarily running your life? That will help you better understand where you're at in emotional wellness and health. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. We're going to skip the question this time uh, due to time constraints, and we will throw it into next week's podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about the three Ds of a relationship. And I do an interview with a local therapist who is opening a new facility uh, geared specifically for veterans. Uh, if you do have a topic that you'd like me to talk about, please send me an email, info at info at joemartino.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at martino.com. You can also go to martino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.